This is Out of Office for Wednesday the 20th of February 2013. Let's take this offline. Welcome to the Out of Office podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you going? I'm well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? Yeah, I'm happy. Yep, it's it's a nice day in Perth. We've had a bit of a heat wave, but uh, we've got lovely weather. I've already been out this morning. How about you? Yes, I have. I've been up running up and down ladders and doing um, push-ups as well. I'm on this goal to do 100 push-ups in six weeks. That's, well, not, that's not 100 total over six weeks. Okay. I, I think they're kind of building me up to do 100 push-ups in a row, which is quite scary, actually. OMG, as my daughter would say. <laughs> Well, so we've been taking things offline already today, Gihan, and that's the subject of today's podcast. Um, as out-of-office workers, we spend a lot of time online, and that gives us, uh, well, sometimes that t- tends to lead to us spending all of our time online, and some people tend to become internet recluses and using the online world to escape from reality. Or, at the other extreme, there are people who never venture online due to either fear or uncertainty. But I think most of us have a fairly healthy mix somewhere between those extremes. And indeed, if you're listening to this podcast, then you're probably uh, one of those people who has a healthy mix of things because you've at least been onto the internet to download the podcast about the internet. So what we're going to talk about today is how you can tap into the online world and use the internet to strengthen your offline network. So it's about social networking, but more broadly than just things like Facebook and Google+. Plus. It's uh, your offline connections as well. So there are two dimensions that we can uh, look at when we think about these sorts of things. We can examine the relationships that you already have. So there are the people that you already know, so your family, friends and colleagues, versus people that you don't know, so strangers for want of a better word as well as uh, whether the network encourages you to interact or connect with people online or offline. So with those those two dimensions, we've got four possible ways of uh, looking at these these tools. The first of those is using services that are designed to help you connect offline with your friends or services designed to help you to connect offline with strangers – And then using the other dimension, we have services helping you interact predominantly online, but maybe also offline as well, with friends. And then services designed to help you interact predominantly online with strangers. And that will all make sense as we go through this. It will. We're going to – we'll cover each of those in turn. Um, And the way that we're going to conduct today's uh, podcast is in the style of an interview, and that's for two reasons. The first is that I've been lazy. I mean, I've been I've been busy (laughs) working on working on something that we're going to talk about in a future out of office podcast, and also because Gihan, you've probably got more experience uh, and wisdom to share uh, on this kind of topic. You use a lot of the tools that we're going to talk about today, so I'm going to interview you, and you're going to share your wisdom. So, ready to roll? Yep, let's go for it. Cool. All right. So the first of those four possibilities was connecting online with your friends. So one of the tools that I've come across for this is called Ping. That's P-I-N-G-G dot com. And the reason for that is because you've used it, Gihan, to invite me to many of your parties. Yeah, that's right. And, and Ping's just one of the many tools that are available now to help you just coordinate events. And these are events that you would be running anyway. And these are generally people that you know that you invite to these events. And uh, these, there are these online tools that make it a bit easier than you just sending out a big mass email. And tools like Ping, and Ping's a free service, so tools like Ping will allow you to basically manage 
the whole uh, the whole event. So it'll do things like send out the invitations on your behalf, uh, manage the RSVPs as they come in, so you can log in at any time to see who's who's replied and who hasn't. It'll send out reminders that you can program to send to, to send to people who haven't RSVP'd, or even to the people who have, just to remind them that the event's on tomorrow. Hey, just just a reminder. You can have a look at the guest lists, and it'll take care of all of that, which in the past you had to do manually or you had to do in some mix of uh, online and offline. So you used to send out an email, see who replied, send out reminders. You had to take care of all of that. But services like Ping will do that for you. And it's very convenient. And as I said, it's it's one of those services which is free, but you can pay a little bit extra if you want to send out print invitations or you want to remove the ads or send out thank you notes and things like that. But it's, it's great. I've used it for sending out, as you said, like party invitations. And I've only used a free service and it's been fabulous. Yeah, it's excellent. It works well. Uh, another way of connecting with friends is a site called Foursquare. So this is one of those location-based services that allows you to check into uh, locations that you're at, physically located at. I think there's another one called GoWalla, but I've not used Foursquare much. I have got friends who've used it. I've seen them check in. Uh, what can you tell us about Foursquare, Gihan? Yeah, and again, there's, there's Foursquare, there's GoWalla, there's Facebook Places. These kind of do the same sort of things where you can you can advertise to your network, and we recommend you only do it to people you know, mm-hmm. that you, uh, where you are. And it can, it can facilitate this, that kind of serendipity, Chris, where you may not want to advertise, send out an email to people saying, hey, I'm just about to go to this cafe. If anyone wants to join me, then I'll, I'll be there from 11 a.m. Till, till 1 p.m. Because that's going, to, that's going to interrupt people and annoy them. But with, place, with, with services like Foursquare and Goala and Facebook Places, you post that and people who happen to notice that on your Facebook updates can then go along and meet you for coffee if they want to. And I think it's great for things like that where you don't want to necessarily explicitly advertise it, but you can do it where people can just stumble across you. Yeah, so it's more pull than push, I suppose. That's that's right. And uh, I think that's one of the advantages of some of these services, Chris, where you don't have to necessarily tell people. Well, you tell people where, they, where you are, and if they happen to stumble across you, that's great. But if they don't, you haven't, you haven't annoyed them, you haven't distracted them from what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, the third tool on, in the Connect with Friends section that we're going to talk about is TripIt. And I used TripIt last year when we travelled to um, France and the UK. And it was really handy for us because we used it to organise our travel itinerary. We had all of our travel details in one place that we could access uh, either when we were mobile or from a desktop PC as well as sharing it with other people. So, for instance, we could share it with uh, our parents and then they would know where we were at any particular time and would have contact details uh, for us at those times and places. And look, the only thing I'd add to that is that, that so you, you explicitly decide to share it with people who wanted to follow you on your trip. And so the only thing I'd add is just like Foursquare, it, it can sometimes facilitate those sort of serendipitous meetings where someone you may have, may notice that you've uh, that you're going to be in, in Paris on this date and they just have to be there as well mm-hmm. and they you you didn't know they were going to be there they didn't know you're going to be there but just by coincidence it turned out that way and so again trip is a great tool for uh, for that and in a way it's a little bit better than foursquare because you let people know in advance where you're going to be and it's generally designed for things where you are traveling and so those sort of meetings that you have with people are a little bit uh, aren't as common as you would if you're just saying, I'm just going down to my local cafe. Okay. Uh, 
So that's a couple of tools for connecting with friends or people that you already know. The next, uh, the next thing we'll examine is connecting with people you don't know, so strangers. So a tool that I know that you've used a lot, Kihan, is Meetup. Um, I've met you at a couple of meetups, but I don't use the tool myself. How does Meetup work? A meetup's fabulous service, Chris. I, I really love it. And I first started using it a couple of years ago when I went to Auckland. Decided to spend a month in Auckland. I was there by myself. And I thought, okay, part of what I want to do is not just sit in my room and work as I would if I was uh, back home, but actually get out and meet people. And meetup's a great service, which is designed for uh, for offline meetings. So it's available worldwide and anyone can start a meetup group. And you just you just start a meetup group around whatever you're interested in. And by its nature, you organize meetups in your local area because the whole idea is it is designed to facilitate people actually getting together face-to-face, belly-to-belly. So as one example, I have started my own meetup group here in Perth. It's called the Perth Business Book Club. And my brother-in-law, Neil, and I started this. So we were always talking about business books and we decided, well, why don't we get some other people who might be interested to also have this discussion? So once a month we meet. In fact, we did our last meeting was last night. And we started a meetup group for it. And now I think we've got about 80 members. We don't get many, anywhere near that many at a meeting. We generally get five or six, but that's okay. That's, the whole idea is that people who are interested in a particular topic area in this case can get together with other people. And most of the people are, are strangers. And one of the advantages of doing it through Meetup is that because Meetup is a very well-known website, it's a very popular website, people who are searching for stuff to do in Perth and maybe they might be searching for business groups in Perth, there's a very good chance they'll find us because we're on Meetup. Whereas if I just advertised it, say, on my website, then because my website isn't doesn't have as high a ranking in Google, there, there's less chance of people stumbling across it. So Meetup's great, and it's not just for business-oriented things. It's for a lot of, there are a lot of uh, social groups around Perth, and I think the couple that we've been to, Chris, have been through social Meetup groups that I've been a part of, and uh, there's... There's meetups for everything. And uh, the the idea is that you don't interact much online, but you use the meetup group as a way for you to coordinate your offline meetups. Okay. Uh, another way of connecting with strangers is, uh, is dating sites. Now, I have uh, very little experience of these, mainly because my wife made me take my profile down off RSVP. But... Uh, This is a really uh, huge sector of the internet, uh, something that sort of revolutionized dating in the 21st century, Gihan. So tell us a bit about these. Yeah, and it is. is, You're quite right, Chris. It really has that whole online dating thing is very big now. And it used to be that it was very, uh, it was rare, but now it's much more common than it it has ever been. And there are big, there are a lot of options available. there's some of them which are very broad dating sites, so things like eHarmony, Match.com, I think is the biggest one in the US. And in Australia, as you mentioned, there's RSVP, but also there are a number of niche sites as well. So I know somebody who has put her profile up on a, on a website called Spiritual Singles uh, because she's looking for somebody who's in that area. And uh, again, I've, I've heard of, uh, in the US especially, there are niche dating sites for pretty much any sort of demographic that you're interested in and that you're a member of. And now the thing with these dating sites is, of course, the idea is that eventually you'll meet offline and hopefully you know, hit it off and go off and get married and live happily ever after. Uh, there's a little bit of online interaction at the start because people are naturally a little bit cautious about 
just give me that phone number as a meeting face-to-face too early. So there's a little bit of online interaction built into the sites, but the main idea is that you do meet somebody with the intent of going and actually meeting them face-to-face. Okay. And finally, we'll talk about uh, a collection of sites, not, in partic- not one in particular, for announcing different kinds of events. Yeah, and this is very much like Ping. So I mentioned Ping earlier where yeah. you use it privately to invite your friends to events. And Ping does allow you to to share to share the event if you want to. You can say that when you announce an event, are you going to promote it on Facebook and Twitter as well? And are you going to allow your friends to invite other people? So you can use it to invite strangers as well. But there are some other sites which are a little bit better for that. Uh, Eventbrite is one that I use. So when I run events, uh, so I run public workshops, for example, I'll post them on Eventbrite. And that means that not only do I advertise them to my network, but people who are searching Eventbrite uh, will find those events as well. And again, because Eventbrite's a popular website, uh, people who are doing Google searches will quite often find an Eventbrite listing and they'll find out about an event that way as well. Um, and there are, other, there are other tools as well, which are similar like Facebook events and, and Google Plus events. And they kind of, there's a mixture of the, the people that you that you invite to the events can be friends or strangers. And I guess with Facebook, the idea is that you connect with... Uh, th- Facebook would like you to use that to connect with family and friends, but there have been plenty of stories, Chris, as you probably know, of uh, Facebook parties which have got yeah. out of control because people just spread it far and wide and uh, people aren't careful enough about who they invite. So it can be used uh, either intentionally or accidentally to connect with strangers as well. Okay. So we've covered uh, connecting with both friends and strangers on uh, offline. So the next couple of sections will switch to uh, sites that are focused predominantly on online interaction. So going back to friends, uh, we've got a section here that will talk about interacting predominantly online with friends and the site that uh, probably dominates that sector is Facebook. So I use Facebook on a daily basis. After work, I usually use it as a way of unwinding, checking out what my friends have been up to, checking a few status updates, maybe leaving comments or uh, liking uh, things that others have done. And uh, if I've got anything to share, then um, I'll update my status as well. And what you've just described, Chris, is exactly the right way that people should be using Facebook. And most people do, in fact, use it that way. So it's almost like you're looking at a bulletin board of what your friends have been up to. So they don't annoy you by sending you messages saying, hey, I've done this, I've done that, or uh, hey, I'm going to be here tomorrow. But they post it to their Facebook, uh, their, their Facebook profile, which you, at, at the time of your choosing, can then check out. And again, it facilitates what we were talking about earlier. It facilitates those sort of serendipitous things where you might notice that a friend is going to be at a certain place at a certain time, or they've just come back from a holiday, or they're just about to go somewhere. And they didn't necessarily think of telling you that for a particular reason, but you might suddenly realize that you can meet them offline because of something that they've done in their status update. So Facebook is a great tool for that, where you don't have to, even without asking where where your friends are, you can find out. And that's, that's the beauty of it. So it's great for knowing what's going on in other people's lives because you don't have to, uh, without them oversharing with you. Now, of course, some people do oversharing. However, that's that's a, that's a different topic for a different podcast, I think, Chris. Yep. Um, I guess the thing we should say is that Facebook in, is intended for you connecting with your family and friends and for your personal life. So it's intended for you connecting with people that you know. Now, some people 
don't use it that way and I'm one of those people. So I use my Facebook, my private Facebook profile for even making professional connections. And so for people who are in business or in some sort of professional role where you're you are part of your brand, I think it's legitimate for your Facebook profile to be opened up to to more than just your family and friends. Um, but generally, most people are using Facebook to connect with their family and friends in, in exactly the way that you that you're talking about, Chris. Mm-hmm. And and you do get to learn about you, you get to learn about your friends, uh, and maybe even things that you didn't know about your friends. Uh, sometimes even things that you didn't that you didn't want to know about. <laughs> that's them. right. <laughs> that's the that's the oversharing bit. Uh, the other thing we should say is that it's not just for creating offline connections as in actually meeting people. One of the things that Facebook does really well, and I don't think people acknowledge this, is that because people share information on Facebook, sometimes they share information explicitly. As you say, you can see stuff in status updates. But sometimes Facebook is like the middleman where you can share stuff with Facebook that Facebook then kind of doles out to your friends in in kind of a useful way. So... For example, Facebook knows your birthday. So when your birthday's coming up, your friends will see that today is Chris's birthday on their wall. So you don't have to advertise that it's your birthday. Because you've shared that information with Facebook, Facebook in turn will share that information with your friends or the people you've connected with on Facebook. And I think that's really useful because, uh, again, like some people will remember your birthday anyway, but others won't. And they might be reminded uh, of your birthday simply because they're connected through, uh, connected with you on Facebook. I understand that Facebook have extended that to a more general search tool. I've not used it, but I think you can do things like search for friends of friends who have similar interests to me or who live in a particular area. You can do a kind of free-form search of your social network based on the things that they like or where they live, um, but restricted to the connections that you have. I think that's that's right. So this new graph search, which Facebook yeah. has just introduced, is great for exactly that. So if you want to, so generally when you search Google and you're searching for something on Google, Google will give you what it thinks are the best results, but it's not really based on your network and, and who you're connected to. It's trying to do that with Google Plus and it's becoming more successful with that. But Facebook already has a billion users, so it already has that those networks in place. So exactly what you said, Chris. So you can search for not only what your friends are, uh, just what's what's uh, on there, what they share, but it's also things that they've liked. So you can search for uh, restaurants in Perth that my friends like, mm. and so that can be useful as well. So you're you're taking advantage of the your connection with them to also. Uh, to influence your search results. And that's it's in very early stages so far, Chris, but I think that that's really where Facebook is heading. It's trying to be now a competitor to Google. And I think the big problem is that most people don't go to Facebook to do searching. So Facebook's got, kind of got to change their users' culture and expectations of what, what they should be using Facebook for. And they've got to kind of encourage people to say, hey, look, if you search on Facebook you're actually going to get better results than if you search on Google because chances are the things that you're searching for are things that your friends already know and like and maybe have commented on. Yes, I came across another app which is kind of interesting, Chris. It's called Bang With Friends. And this is an idea. So the idea is that you might have, uh, you might, there might be friends that you're attracted to, but you don't want to disclose that you're attracted to them. But you can tell Facebook, hey, I wouldn't mind uh, having a bit of an affair or having a bit on the side with this person. And they don't know unless 
they are also using the Bandwidth Friends app and they say, hey, I wouldn't mind having a bit on the side with, with so-and-so. And if there's a match, then Facebook will will let you know. And I thought that's kind of an interesting idea in principle where you give Facebook a little bit of information which they don't disclose unless the other person that you're, that you're interested in is also interested in you. So it's a really good example of where Facebook acts as a middleman or as an intermediary and uh, you, you can both share stuff with Facebook and it'll only disclose it if there's a match. Right. Very good. Yeah, I've had no hits on that so far. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the last section then is uh, interacting predominantly online with people that you don't know. So strangers, for want of a better word. And we've already talked briefly, touched on Google+, Plus, which uh, some people see as uh, Google's attempt to match Facebook as a social network, but it's really more about Google search, and we've just talked about the way that Facebook have got this graph search. Well, Google are probably ahead of the game in that regard because they're trying to build your social network into your search results. That's right. So, in fact, Facebook and Google are both coming to this, the, the same objective from two different directions. So, Facebook has your network, and now they want to add search to it. Google has search, and now they want to build your network's preferences into it. And I saw a report just recently that said that Google Plus is now the, the second biggest social network after Facebook, and even bigger than things like Twitter and LinkedIn, which most people would know about. And the difference between the main difference between Google Plus and Facebook is that Facebook, as we, as we spoke about, is really intended for you to connect with your family and friends and people you know. Whereas Google+, Plus, uh, whether this is the intent or not, the way it's turned out, it's about connecting uh, people with shared interests or common interests. So they may be complete strangers, except that you have something in common with them. And so Google+, Plus is a much more open network in that respect, but it seems to be about people who've got a shared interest congregating uh, whereas Facebook isn't. It's your shared interest is just that you know this person socially. So Google Plus is perfect for connecting with people that you may want to later meet in person because they are people who've got common interests, either personal interests or professional interests. And it even has this uh, this new feature called Communities, which allows you to create your own, like a, it's like creating your own little membership site or your own online community where you can even make the those connections stronger. So I think Google Plus is a great tool for finding people with common interests and then later meeting up with them in person. Okay. Another way that um, I perhaps interact with strangers online is with Twitter. So I use Twitter for getting interesting articles and links to read as well as publishing to my followers who are predominantly unknown to me. So I follow people that I don't know and my followers are predominantly people I don't know. And we share information. So tell us more about Twitter, Gihan. Well, I, th- I think there's not much more to say except that uh, with Twitter, again, that people do make offline connections through their through their things that start off as online connections in Twitter. I think that the difference between Twitter and Google Plus is with Google Plus, you're not limited to 140 character tweets. Sure. So you can have real conversations. You can post significant amount of uh, text in a in a discussion, and Google Plus has by default will will group those threads together whereas twitter it's doing a little bit of that now but it used to be just these random messages going out and you had kind of had to piece together the conversation that was going on whereas google plus right from the start has done that uh, but definitely there are a lot of people who make off uh, online connections first through twitter and then they take them offline yeah uh, another site that i've been using a lot more of recently is LinkedIn. So I've been updating my profile, I've been making new connections, 
and I've been participating in the various groups that LinkedIn offers in my areas of interest and expertise. Uh, but uh, I know that you talk about LinkedIn to your uh, your clients and customers quite a bit, Kihan. I do. Tell me why, you're, why you've suddenly started using it more, Chris. Any particular think, reason? I think... One aspect is I started signing up to groups, and so I get a lot of value from those. And then when you interact in groups, you start interacting with other people, and so you build your network that way. And then I just think it's valuable as part of building your personal brand to keep your LinkedIn profile up to date, something that we've talked about on the Out of Office podcast recently. Yeah, exactly. And I think that LinkedIn is probably one of the most misunderstood of the social networks. It's, it's the oldest of the ones that we've talked about mm. and it's grown to over 200 million users now. And it's very much, it's unashamedly for professional connections. So it's for doing business. It's for connecting with people that you do business with. And it's certainly frowned upon to try and sell to the people in your network, but it's very much a, a business networking tool. And it has that great mix of online and offline. So a lot of people will use LinkedIn for connecting with people online first and then taking taking it offline so just a couple of examples so if you meet somebody at a networking event then after the event go and check them out on linkedin and invite them to join you and just send a little note saying great to meet you chris i thought we should connect on linkedin and people accept that that is a normal thing to do and it's quite common and it's a little bit more accept uh, more acceptable than say doing the same thing on facebook because just because you meet somebody at a networking event doesn't mean that you want them to have access to your private uh, photos and access to your family and friends on Facebook. But you do want to connect with them on LinkedIn because that's that's the whole point of it. Uh, so that's after a networking event. I think you can do the same thing before as well. So if you know who's attending, uh, then check them out on LinkedIn. Uh, so, for example, if you're attending an event where you know there's going to be a number of speakers or even just one speaker, do a search for them on LinkedIn and connect with them and say something like notice you're going to be speaking at the so-and-so meeting on monday looking forward to seeing you there and they're they're quite likely to accept your connection on linkedin because you've made that you've made it personal um, even on a bigger scale chris i'm noticing now that uh, many more conferences are publishing their delegate list as people register so you can go to the conference website and you can see the list of people who've already registered not just the speakers but the the delegates so I know people who go through their delegate list and they'll search for those people on LinkedIn, uh, check out their profiles, see people that they that look interesting and then connect with them on LinkedIn and start the, start the dialogue, start the online conversation. So when you actually do turn up with, uh, at the conference, they, you've got a, you've got a friendly face or at least a friendly persona that you're connecting with. And uh, I know people who do this for just basic networking, just so they know some people when they turn up and also for doing business. So you might see somebody that you actually do want to do business with, but you don't want to just meet them for the very first time at a conference and, and grab them and uh, push them up against a wall and talk to them. And that's the first con- that's the first interaction you have with them. Uh, what you do is you start by connecting with them on LinkedIn and then when you and you might even arrange to say, hey, let's look. There's this there's this coffee break in the conference. Let's let's agree to catch up at that time. And it makes it so much more of a warm connection rather than a cold connection. Very good. And then the the last t- type of tool that we'll talk about are tools for creating your own online communities around a particular niche. And I know that the one you use, Gihan, is Ning. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, I guess it's both creating your own online communities and also joining online communities. And I'm sure you're a member of a number of 
probably technical forums, Chris, and uh, some other online communities where you've got shared professional interests. And just like I mentioned earlier, Google Plus has this new communities feature. Well, before Google Plus came along, there were a number of other services that did that. And one of the one of the most common now, most popular now, because it's so easy to set up, is a service called Ning, Ning.com. And you can both set up your own, but more relevant for what we're talking about here, you can search for other communities, and most of them are free, and you just join them. And again, you can connect with people who've got shared interests, and a lot of that's on offline, uh, sorry, online, but you can take that offline as well. Very good. So those are the four possibilities that we introduced at the start of the podcast. It's probably worth saying that uh, when you're interacting with people offline, particularly uh, if they're people that you've never met face-to-face before, that uh, you need to be a little bit cautious. And this is something that we talk about in the Out of Office book. There are two chapters we have. We know where you are about uh, revealing your physical location when you're online as well as we know who you are, so about uh, appropriate ways of publishing information about yourself when you're online. So if you're interested, then uh, those two sections uh, in the book uh, give you some principles to follow. I think the other thing to to mention, Chris, is that most of us don't realize just how much we're sharing online about ourselves and voluntarily sharing, not even talking about government databases and other corporate databases that are sharing stuff uh, which we may not want them to share, but there's so much stuff that we're sharing voluntarily, although possibly not, uh, well, intentionally, not realizing the uh, just how much we're exposing about ourselves. And there are some tools, some quite scary tools, that will allow people to aggregate that information and then talk about you and then find out information about you. I saw one uh, recently, I saw an article about a, a company called that has a software called Riot, R-I-O-T, and I can't remember exactly what it stands for, but basically they they can look up somebody and aggregate all the information from your social networks and even make predictions about where you're going to be. And they, they showed this example where they used one of their employees uh, as a as a case study, presumably with his knowledge. And they said, look, if you want to find this guy at 6 a.m. on next Monday, I reckon you should go to this gym because they were able to track, based on everything that he was sharing publicly, uh, where he was most likely to be at a certain time on a certain day. So you just really do need to be careful about what you're sharing online, especially if you're then going to go and meet people offline as well. Yeah, absolutely. So with those warnings in mind, uh, there are other principles as well that uh, can guide you in interacting both online and offline with people that you know and with strangers as well. And as we alluded to, that uh, these are covered in the book in some detail. But the book, outofofficebook.com, is where you can get it if you're interested. We have literally a handful of print copies left, uh, which we're selling at a massive discount. So if you want one of those, then head over to outofofficebook.com and you can buy one of the few remaining print editions. Otherwise, we have infinite copies of the ebook, which you can also purchase through links on outofofficebook.com or wherever good ebooks are sold. Yes. So, Gihan, it remains to thank you for sharing with us your wisdom and expertise today. I'll speak to you in a month's time about another topic on the Out of Office podcast. Great. Thanks for the conversation, Chris. I enjoyed it. <laughs> Bye for now. Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book out of office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.